0: Hey, good morning. One more time, if it is your first time, we are glad that you are here. If you're joining us online, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, We are actually getting really close to being done with this series that we have been in for most of this year called The Greatest Sermon. Um, And it's not something that we came up with. We've just been walking through the Sermon on the Mount. And we've got a couple more messages left in it. And so this week, um, it's going to be a little different from a message standpoint. Um, and let me try and kind of set it up this way. Years ago, um, in the 60s, there was a woman named Kitty Genovese. Now, most of you probably haven't heard of her, but she was murdered. And it was witnessed by a lot of people, supposedly. And people did nothing. Like, and it's shown there are times where sometimes something can be happening. There could be an accident. There could be someone being hurt in some way. And a lot of times people will just kind of draw back from that and feel like, that's eh, not my place to step in. I'm not really wired that way is what I have found in life. Um, If there is a serious accident, something triggers in my brain, if I'm a witness to it, where everything just kind of focuses. And I feel like, you know what, this is, God made me for this moment. Like, if you have an accident, you kind of want me there because I can be cool, calm, and collected. Like, I had one night where I was a student pastor and had a student that went into a seizure. Everyone's freaking out. And it was just like the Holy Spirit just kind of came over and was like, you got this. And so I'm directing people. Look, I'm not not a medical expert, but I can just walk in in that moment and be calm, cool, and collected. There was one night I was driving, and the car in front of me got T-boned. Wheel comes flying off, hits my car, and I watched this Jeep go careening almost into a tree. And I was the first person there. And people inside, I could tell, them, like, man, this is not good. And we ended up, one girl just kind of got out. We were like, please stay. And she got out, fell on the ground, and she's freaking out. And I just remember sitting over and talking to her and just saying, hey, it's going to be okay. Like, the ambulance is coming. Like, if there is a moment where someone is hurting, I want to step into that and do something, which makes today's message very difficult. And here's what I mean by this. This job at times is tough. The last couple months have really showed that, but there are times where if you know something to be so true, and I want people to believe it so deeply, there are times I know where people will walk out and it has fallen on deaf ears, and that's hard. And what Jesus says today can be a little bit unnerving at the same time. Like, I want it to be very, very encouraging, and it has the potential to, but it also has the potential to be very, very terrifying. So there's a couple things within this. I don't want this to turn into a scare sermon. Like, that can easily happen. A lot of you have probably grown up in a church, and in fact, sometimes that will contribute to the problem that we're going to look at today. So I'm not trying to scare people. I'm just going to let God's Word be God's Word. But I also understand that I'm living in a time Or one author I read this week, he said, I can say with complete confidence, there has never been a time where there are more people going to church and they have no idea who Jesus is. And I think that's a reality. And so I just want to let Scripture be Scripture today. And I want to let the Holy Spirit, it's been my prayer this week, man, God, just move because I don't know where everyone's at. I know some people could be in here today, and you could be growing in your relationship, and so there's times you read something like this, and it seems like, oh, I'm going to go backwards. And then there are other times where I just know what the Bible says, and it says there's a lot of people who claim to know Jesus Christ, and they don't know him. And I don't want that for people. Like, I don't want people walking out of here today or listening online and not knowing the truth of the gospel And so we're just going to kind of walk through this together today. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be in verse 21. You can follow along in your Bible. We've got it on the screens as well. Jesus says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Again, that's kind of a difficult passage, right? It's unbelievably straightforward. Like, it's not one that we look at, I'll be honest, from a teaching standpoint today, there's not tons of teaching. We're just looking at the obvious, and the obvious hurts a little bit. Because what he just said, and what this is so difficult, is he said, look, there are many, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will end up spending an eternity with me. And that's difficult because it kind of reminds us just a few weeks ago in verse 14 or in verse 13 when he said, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Those are really tough passages. We know that in this section, Jesus has kind of been saying, hey, I've taught you a lot of different things, and as I'm about to close my sermon out, I'm going to teach you that there are things out there that will try and pull you away from God. They will try and pull you away from me. They will steal your joy, and at times, they will lie to you, and you will think you have a relationship with me, and you will not. And that's where this section becomes tough because the Bible says there's a lot of people that fall into this. And it reminds us that the path is wide, And if that path, I wrote this, if the road to destruction had a street name, it would be Cheap Grace. Because he said, hey, there is a wide, wide path. Like, we're talking 18 lanes, and it's huge, and there's a lot of people on it, and it leads to destruction. And if that had a street name, we would call it Cheap Grace. Like, Cheap Grace is something, whenever I use that term, Um, If you've never read anything by a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I would encourage you. If you like reading, um, he's a guy that understood real persecution uh, because he lived in Germany in the 30s. Um, He was an unbelievable pastor and theologian, and he used this term a lot, cheap grace. Cheap grace plays out in a few different ways. Cheap grace is grace without conviction. It's this idea of, man, I love that thought of being forgiven, but I am not broken over my own sin. Like, I don't look at the things that I've done and go, man, that is displeasing and dishonorable to God. His holiness is so big, and my sin is so terrible. Like, I'm not I'm not broken by it. I'm not convicted by it. It's preaching without repentance. It's this idea that, hey, just feel good about yourselves, everybody. Like, if we wanted, like, we could get up here and just, Man, we'd have a rah-rah moment, everyone leaves feeling great, but there are times where people do that. And there's been no repentance. There's been no, I, I need to change and turn from this life to something greater. Jesus is Lord. Cheap grace plays itself out, unfortunately, in a lot of churches. Where the idea is, I don't know if you've, I've, I can say this because I've been in some places that I would call them number-driven. Um... That's why we have a poster out there that says, "You're an image, not a number." You're like you are made in God's image, Genesis one twenty-seven. But there are a lot of times. This is where it becomes unfortunate in, a, in an attempt to get numbers. I'm not saying big churches are bad or anything like that, but I've just been in places where it's been so number-driven that they haven't really shared the gospel, and they've given people a warm fuzzy, made them feel good, but on the inside, they have not been made into a new creation. And sometimes cheap grace is just not truly being committed. It's the idea of, I I like the idea of going to heaven. I don't like the idea of being obedient. I don't like the idea of having to step out, make less of myself and more of him. And that path leads to destruction. And it's for that reason he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And so what happens is, a lot of people have either been fooled or, equally as dangerous, are fooling themselves into being able to say some of the things that these people are crying out to Jesus. And he's going, I don't know you. So hopefully we don't fall into these, but here's where I want to try and point us towards more of the gospel. The first one is this, correct doctrine is insufficient for salvation. Amen. Now, if you spend any time around me, like I, I love doctrine. Like, I love having big, long theological conversations. Doctrine is unbelievably important. Literally, part of my job and part of the job of the elders here at our church is making sure from a teaching standpoint that we are always staying focused on the Bible, that this is the thing that points us towards Jesus. And this is the thing that we hold very sacred. We believe every word of the Bible. But just knowing the knowledge and just having correct doctrine is not enough to actually know Jesus. And here's how I know that. These people have some correct doctrine. These people seem to have some knowledge going because they address Jesus a certain way. Like they didn't come up to him and say rabbi. They didn't say teacher or anything like that. They didn't say Jesus. They said Lord, which in Greek is this word kairos. Like it shows that they had some, dox- like just orthodoxy, like they understood Jesus is bigger than just a man. Like they address him in the correct way and so they, they know what to say but they don't know what they're talking about. It says they still don't know him. They address him as Lord. Like these are the people, man, they've got Bible knowledge. You can have a lot of Bible knowledge and still not understand what salvation really is. That's why there are are unbelievably intelligent people that can tell you a lot of different things about the Bible, but man, they are completely missing the true message of it. That's why there's a thing called the JEDP theory. Most of you probably have not had the pure joy of sitting through an Old Testament seminary class and learning about this. But it's this idea that Moses did not write the, the uh, five books of the Bible, the Torah. And they go through and they, they take these four different people that they say wrote this and they kind of combine it all together. And I'm telling you, the people that follow this, it's a literary criticism. They're very, very intelligent. Like their ability to understand Hebrew, their ability to go through, but man, they're missing the fact that the Bible itself says, hey, Moses did that. Like Paul acknowledges it, other people acknowledge it within Scripture, and so Scripture interprets Scripture, and so we go, hey, no, we believe that Moses wrote that. Really, really smart people, completely missing the message. Can you have unbelievably deep doctrine and still not know Jesus? Yeah, because a guy that is one of the reasons we're here today lived that story long time ago, there was a guy named Martin Luther, a German guy. He got a little concerned for his soul one day. He was going into law, and, man, he just started having these thoughts of, man, I'm going to spend an eternity in hell. And so he ran off to a convent, and he, man, he joins the monastery. And he goes through, and he starts studying. Eventually, he has a doctorate, and this is 500 years ago. Man, he can teach deeply. He knew all the stuff, and he said, man, I didn't know Jesus. I got caught up in the knowledge side of it. And I had a lot of good doctrine. He did kind of start that whole Protestant thing. That's, that's us. But he said, man, I didn't know Jesus until later. Went until I acknowledged, hey, it's not just about understanding everything in this book, but it's about understanding and following him. And so there's correct doctrine. That's not going to get us there. Emotions are inadequate for salvation. Amen. And here's what I mean by this. There's a lot of emotion in what was being said here. Because they didn't just say, Lord. Like, that's what you know, reverent people do. It's just, Lord. Now, these people are crying out, Lord, Lord, did we not do this? Like, you see them crying out to him. There is a lot of emotion happening here. But emotion itself, it's not adequate for salvation. Emotion is really powerful. And emotion definitely is tied into what we do when we worship. Like, we can't get away from that. And that there's nothing wrong with that. Like at times, I'm, I'm probably a little more logical. I'm not as an emotional person. But man, there are times where, man, you're just sitting in a worship time. You're crying out to God. Man, you feel the spirit moving. It's a beautiful thing. There is nothing wrong with emotion. I have to, I have to be careful about this. Because I look at David, and man, there's times this dude who's slain giants, who is this man's man, is out there just dancing like interpretive dance for Jesus. Because he loves him so deeply. But. Sometimes emotion creeps in and people think that equates to salvation and we have to watch that. That's where in preaching there's times where I I fight emotion sometimes because I've seen you can stir people up. That's not really hard. You can you can get people worked up and it can be a fear thing because sometimes maybe you've had the story of well do you want to go to heaven? Or do you just want to burn in hell for all eternity? That's not a big option. Like, I think I'll take the heaven. And like, we, 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 we scare people on that emotional side. Or we, we, as parents at times, we, we, we have to watch how we talk to our kids because it becomes too emotional. And it's more of an emotional decision and not a true encounter with Jesus. And that's where we have to watch emotions. And sometimes this is the dangerous part. If you've kind of grown up in Christianity... Like if you grew up and I know we've got students and I want to tell you guys, great job. We got to see you all this week, and man, they did an awesome, awesome job for real after service. Grab one of them, talk to them, hear what they got to do. But I've watched at times where this became dangerous because people had an emotional experience, but they never truly encountered God. I remember one night I was at a conference, I was teaching, and got up, man, shared the gospel, no one really responded that wasn't okay. (laughs) The church that I was speaking for, another guy gets up. (laughs) It's like, we're going to get these kids. (laughs) And man, he goes on about a 20-minute mini-sermon that got really emotional, that got, I'm going to scare you into heaven. And one of the only times in my life, I remember sitting in the back, Like it, this is long story, and it involved uh, theoretical buckets with stones in them of different colors, and I mean, this is a 20-minute thing. He's scaring people into heaven, and there was this one big moment where it was like, okay, if you had this color stone, it meant you loved Jesus and you knew it. The other one, it was like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm walking, but I need some help, and, but then there was the big stone, it was the one, I don't know Jesus. And it had been such a scare tactic, I remember sitting in the back, and praying the most awkward prayer I think I've ever prayed in my entire life. I was like, God, don't let anyone raise their hand. <laughs> and that sounds weird, right? Like, don't, we want people to accept, but I was like, this is going to be an emotional thing. And six months from now, this poor kid is going to be dealing with all these different things because they don't really know him. And he said, if you have this stone, raise your hand, and no one did. And I was like, God, God's good. <laughs> and that's the weirdest prayer I've ever made because I just didn't want it to be this emotional thing. Because then people are living this life thinking, oh, I know him. And Jesus goes, I don't know you. And good works and morality are not enough for salvation. You've got these people, they said, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Christians are definitely supposed to be moral, but not everyone who is moral is a Christian. <laughs> And sometimes we get wrapped up in the thing we call moral, moralistic deism. This idea that just be a good person and that gets you into heaven. And man, that is dangerous. And there's so many times we think, well, I don't use words like those people do, at least not all the time. And we think that makes us better in some way. And that's not Christianity. Just being a good person, doing these good things, doesn't actually get you there. And many people have fallen for that. And they think, well, I'm better than this person. I'm not in prison. I don't cheat on my taxes. My kids aren't completely insane. And we think in some way that goodness is getting us there. And Jesus says, hey, you, you're, not, you're missing it. So that's real encouraging, right? <laughs> like, well, who gets this then? Who's actually a believer? There's one section He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So the question becomes okay, what's the will of the Father? What's God's will in this? There's lots of places we could go, but I'm going to read two verses. And they say this in 1 John chapter 3. He says, And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. And love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. So one of the wills of the Father is that you would believe in Jesus Christ. Not just acknowledging him, not just saying, oh, I believe that he historically existed, or I believe that he was a good person, but believe in him. What we call the full gospel, that we understand this. When we read scripture, God creates everything perfectly. Everything as it should be. And early on, man sins. And that becomes part of our DNA. We just understand, like, I don't think people argue that as much anymore. Like, we understand I do things that are wrong. We just don't want to think about the consequence. Because the Bible would say that, hey, the consequence of that, you've got God's holiness over here and you've got sin over here, and it separates us from him the question becomes, well, how do I get back to him? Is it by being a good person? Yes, be a good person. Like, I don't want someone stealing my car. (laughs) But that doesn't get you back to God. Well, I go to church, I would be lying and a terrible person if I said, because you walk in these doors, you're spending eternity in heaven. And this is where this gets a little weird. This message isn't always shared. Like, I, I enjoy the times where I get to teach, and it's a lot more encouraging, and we can laugh a little bit, but this one is so real. One day I'll stand before God, and i gotta answer, I got to answer him when it comes to these questions. My question for you is, do you believe? Do you truly believe? Is this something that, when you look at it internally from your own standpoint, Is this just something that you've gone, man, I think I've been playing. I don't know know if I really know him. And maybe you've never heard the full gospel. That Yeah, that sin separates us. What gets us back? It's only Jesus Christ. It's only the, the life that he lived, that he laid down so that you and I could experience forgiveness. That's what gets us salvation. That's what makes us a believer. That's what puts us in a spot when one day I want to say, Lord, Lord. And he goes, well done, good and faithful servant. And it's through knowing him, truly believing in Jesus Christ and saying, I don't want this life anymore. I'm going to turn from that, and I'm going to turn to him. And I know we've got people in here. I know we've got people listening online, and you know what that looks like. And then, because I understand and believe scripture, I know there's a lot of people going, I I don't. And so today, we're going to pray in just a second. I want to give you the opportunity like if you don't really know or man there's some uncertainty and you're wrestling with that that's okay, wrestle because I believe once God starts moving on you like he's got you maybe today is a day where you go I need, I need to turn away from my own life and I need to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ so let's pray we'll continue to worship whether you're here in the auditorium or if you're watching us online this this becomes the big question do you believe no one answers that but you maybe you've never really heard the the full gospel and maybe you've never had someone say hey just because you're good or just because you go to church that that doesn't equate to salvation maybe today you're just realizing no I, I understand I really need that So if that's you, whether online, in here, just where you're at as best as you can, say, God, I want to come before you. I confess that I am a sinner, but God, I want to turn from that, and I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. And if you've never done that before, in that instant, It's not just a knowledge. It's truly encountering him. And the Bible says that you're made into a new creation. The, the old is gone. You're something new. And we want to celebrate that today. And I would encourage you if, if, it, if today is the day where you said, hey, I want to follow Jesus. We want you to put that on a connect card. Please talk with one of us. We want to encourage you in that. We want to, we want to help you walk and move forward in this relationship. Because we want to be able to see many people in the category where he says, "Good and, well done, good and faithful servant, not in I don't know you. So God, continue to grow us. God, continue to be good to us. God, I pray that we will celebrate victories today. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen.